Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Sundays ago when David shared, uh, I think it was the, kind of the first Sunday back after New Year's Eve, who was around when David shared a couple of weeks ago? He talked about how blessed we are, he talked about how we have everything that we need, that through new birth, when we're born again and we're forgiven of our sins, that we have a brand new start through repentance and faith that Sarah talked about earlier, and please don't let that go this morning, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never been, as Sarah put it, introduced to him, I know Sarah will do a great job of doing that, and we'll make time to do that soon. But then also to be baptized in water. We, did, we had a belonging day here yesterday, and one of the, the gentlemen from the Market Harbour congregation was baptized in that pool just in the corner there during the lunch break. And you know, I never tire of seeing somebody baptized in water. And there's a power in that for us. And if, you've not, if you're a believer and you've not been baptized in water, you need to be baptized. Jesus makes it clear that we're to baptize those who believe in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God fills us and empowers us. He releases us. He restores us. He empowers us. He enables us. He brings everything that we need. He helps us to see Jesus, to love him, and to follow him wholeheartedly. And then he puts us in a church family where we can flourish and thrive and find our place and be served and serve and be blessed and be a blessing. Aren't we a blessed people? <laughs> you know, I don't know this morning if maybe, I know I chatted to a few people at the beginning. Some people are battling with some health challenges at the moment. But I want to say this, God is good. And his faithful love endures forever. And there's a provision for us this morning. There's a provision for you this morning, I believe, in, in, in our focus and in what God wants to do among us. I'm really stirred by what God wants to do among us. Could you put the first slide up for us, please, Adam? I want to talk about means of grace. Everybody recognize that item there beneath? The Swiss Army knife. Does anybody own a Swiss Army knife? A certain type of person owns a Swiss Army knife, I think. <laughs> Don't you? Malcolm Evans has brought his Swiss Army knife. I mean, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen at church, but it's something I aspire to own when I work out how to use it. But I um, want to talk about means of grace. And this phrase is not a, a biblical phrase per se. You, you won't find it specifically mentioned in the word. But another word that you might be familiar with is, is sacraments. And sacraments being essentially means of grace. And, and what I mean by that, they are physical acts that have spiritual power and significance. Physical things that we do that essentially anybody could do, but God wants to impart something powerful when we do it with faith. Not merely symbolic, not merely limited to physical and natural influence, not merely just to say, oh, that was nice. 
You know, when we saw a man get baptized yesterday, we didn't just think, oh, that's nice. He needed a bit of a wash, and that's a lovely picture of being, of being washed of his sins. No. What happened in that pool yesterday was that his past was cut off. And anything in his past, any habits, any sickness, anything that wanted to try and claw its way back into his life that had a power to do so before he was baptized in water has now been washed down the plug hole. There's a power in it. Not just a symbolic act. And means of grace, there are so many things I believe that God wants us to raise our expectation that when we do them in faith, it is dynamite in our hands. Sounds like a song by Tapau, Dynamite in Your Hands, but it's just something else. But we are so blessed. If you put the next slide up, please, and if you would turn in your Bibles, there's, see, the side-on view doesn't quite show you just how monstrous this Swiss Army knife is. And I want us to change our perspective today and to see that something we might have seen maybe in one dimension, as hopefully Holy Spirit help us, as we turn this in our hand, we begin to see there's so much more that's available to me as we start to unpack this. I'm just going to pray for us. Is that okay? And if you could pray for me while I do it, that'd be great. But Lord, we just want to thank you for our time together this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, for each person here right now. I want to thank you for each person who's going to maybe listen to this at a later point, Lord. But Father, for us in this place right now, Holy Spirit, we just say our hearts are open to you. Would you just speak and say whatever it is that you want to say to us this morning? Our ears are attuned. Our attention is on you. We choose now to put aside any other distraction, to lay down anything that would distract us right now just from focusing on you, Jesus, and your word. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1. See, there is now a quote. We have to read from Ephesians a certain number of Sundays in a year. That's such a wonderful book, isn't it? And I'm just going to read these uh, first 14 verses. This is a letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. If you're here today and you know that you're united with Christ, there was a point in your life, like Sarah described earlier, where you gave your life to Jesus. Could you just raise your hand for a moment? Adam Hartzell and I echo that woo. Because you are united with Christ... You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now, as I read that, that's not a, oh, won't that be nice when we get to heaven? No. God wants us to bring heaven into today. He wants us to extend his kingdom today. He wants us to taste of the powers of the age to come now, today. And therefore, the provision for us that's there, this incredible wealth of blessings that are waiting, they're, they're essentially, they're like ripe fruit that are just ready for us to pluck and bring into now. Why? Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. He loves us today. He loves us forever. But even before he created the world, he loved you. 
That's mind-blowing. We read that statement like, oh, that's nice. God loved you before he created anything. I can't, well, anyway, it's because he's eternal. He loved us, and not only this, listen, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You're adopted into his family through Jesus Christ. There is no inferior member of the family listening to me right now. There's no caste system in God's family. There's no hierarchy in God's family. When you are born again, you are a son of God. Whether you're a man or a woman, you become a son in his eyes. You belong in his family. You have a part to play in his family. You're equal with every other member of that family. Whether they've been part of that family for 35 years or 30 minutes, you're in. Why? Because he chose you in eternity. For us, it might just seem like we've been in his family for a short time. He decided it before he created anything. I don't know. I just think that this is an incredible set of words. You know, actually, I think I once was told that this is, in, in the original rendering, was just one sentence. It's like Paul couldn't bring himself to put in a full stop. He's just going, ah, it's amazing. In a much more theologically sound way. Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. God has not adopted you under duress. Nobody's been twisting God's arm and saying, oh, go on, take them, Lord. No, he's wanted to do this. It pleases him. Listen, it gave him great pleasure. And that's why this is our response. So we praise God. For the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You know what? If, if that was where Paul stopped, that is awesome. What he's saying there is God has shown you Im immense mercy. The sins that you have committed, the sin that has been part of you, that's condemned you to death from the very beginning, the moment that you were conceived, has been dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he took your sin upon himself, willingly did it. The Father willingly sent him. The Son willingly, willingly took our sin and he dealt with it on the cross. And therefore, you have been forgiven of all your sin and sins. If that was where the full stop came, there's enough there for me to say, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And then listen to this. And he has showered us. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Not only did Jesus take my sin, but I also receive his righteousness. I receive his kindness. I receive wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. 
at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. Have a look around the room this morning. You're looking at God's own people. You're part of God's own people. And he did this so we would praise and glorify him. Isn't that amazing? What amazing revelation for us there. What resources are available to us? Resources not for the future, not for tomorrow, not for the never-never, but for today that are available to us today, available to us now that as spirit-filled believers, we can receive and take hold of and take impartation of today by obedience and faith. We have to make the most of what God has given us. You know, there's, I, I don't know if you've looked at certain people. I'm a big fan of rugby and I'm a big fan of football. And one of the saddest things is a wasted talent, a gifted individual who just throws it all away because they can't handle their own lives, they can't handle the fame, they can't handle the exposure, and therefore the gift that they had never really saw its full potential. Isn't that a tragedy? As a Welshman and a Welsh rugby fan, Gavin Henson, when he first burst onto the scene, I thought, now we've got a player, now we've got somebody who's going to really, it's going to be awesome for the next 15 years. And then he met Charlotte Church and he got into fame and fake tans and his hair got spikier and his tans got more orange and and he got caught up in the party lifestyle and there was such a waste of a gift and of a talent. And you know what? I, I think about what we have available to us. If you've got a smartphone or if you've got an iPhone or, you know, an Android or whatever it might be, do you imagine if all I did with this, I looked at this, it's in my hand, I come out of the Apple store or wherever else you go and and I just think, you know what, this, well, this would make a pretty good coaster. <laughs> it's flat. I think you can wipe it down. It's not too big. You can get a reasonable sized cup or glass on there. And the newer models are wider, aren't they? Maybe I'll upgrade for a new coaster. And that's how my iPhone lives. For the next two years of the contract that's been paid for, all the entitlement to everything that I have, and there it sits, stopping ring marks appearing on my desk. How tragic. Maybe actually beneficial sometimes, but... And then all of a sudden, somebody starts to show me what's available to me in my hand. And there are some things here that I just immediately can access and just seem easy to get used to, you know, things I'm familiar with. And then I find out about (gasps) the app store this incredible place in the cloud where I can download apps and all of a sudden other things are available to me. I can find birds that are really angry or whatever it is. I can find maps. I can, 
I can travel places. I can do things. And, and it's not just a torch. It's not just a coaster. And it's the same with the Swiss Army knife. Could you imagine if that was just an ornament in, in, in the sitting room somewhere or, or just wedged one of the doors open? What a waste. But sometimes I think that's the challenge for us. These things are readily available for us. Some things we might feel comfortable with or, or we get hold of, but there's such a wealth of blessing that God has for us, ready and waiting for us in the heavenly realms that he wants us to take hold of today and pull into now. That's the Swiss Army knife. That's the Swiss Champ XAVT, regular retail price, £449. You can get it at the moment on Amazon for £25 off. So other websites are available. But you know, the challenge is sometimes we can separate and compartmentalize parts of our life, can't we? My work life and my, my leisure time and some of my social life and my studies, my college life, my university life, that's the natural stuff. And then, oh, I'm, I'm meeting with another believer now, or I'm going to go to church now, I'm going to go to life group now, yes, you should, or I'm going to go to the prayer meeting now, yes, you should, and all of a sudden I'm spiritually engaged and switched on, and then that part shuts down again, and I'm back to natural old me. But you see, that's part of the power of the means of grace, because the means of grace shows we're not compartmentalizing our lives. Natural things, when we do them in faith, carry spiritual power. You can go to work in spiritual power. You can go about your working day serving Jesus Christ in what you do and transform your environment as you do it. Because you apply faith to it, making the most of the wonderful things that God has given us by not compartmentalizing our lives. And I believe means of grace helps us to do that. We see that as we start to do some things that are natural or seemingly normal that other people could do, but we attach faith and obedience to it, something powerful happens. Spiritual power John Wesley, in his acknowledgement of means of grace, sort of had five means of grace. Prayer, searching scripture, the Lord's Supper, fasting, and fellowship. Great things, great activities that the word describes for us. But I actually believe there's so much more. So much more for us. As I read the word and I consider the potential that we have in the light of Ephesians 1 that we've just read, and I see a means of grace, laying on of hands, anointing with oil. Right now, even as you hear me preach, that that can be a means of grace because God will speak into your heart, caring for the sick, laying hands on the sick, visiting those who are imprisoned, feeding the hungry, helping the poor, praying, fasting, reading the word, our marriages, tithing and giving, preaching the gospel, covering and uncovering head when we pray or prophesy in a gathering, breaking bread together, all of these things, natural things, but when we attach our faith, supernatural. None of these activities or actions will be able to achieve anything close to God's full potential without the presence of Christ in them by his Holy Spirit. And so we do them by obedience and faith. And just a few scriptures. If you put the next slide up, please. Adam, thank you. These are just some examples that I see in the Bible. Physical acts that carried with them spiritual power and significance. That reference there in 2 Kings 19, 14 to 19. Hezekiah has just had a letter from Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrian army. And he's saying, Hezekiah, we've been through all the other nations. You're next. You're in big trouble, mate. No other God has been able to stand against us. Your God's no different. All you are is a, is a bird in a cage, and I'm just ready to reach in and squish you, kind of like Sylvester and Tweety Pie. And so he takes this letter, and what does he do with it? 
He goes to the temple and he lays it out before God. Now, naturally speaking, that's a very lovely image, isn't it? God, here are my troubles. Lord, here are my challenges. Lord, I can't do anything about this. I'm laying it out before you. But he did it with faith. And as he does that with faith, the prophet Isaiah comes and he brings the word of God. And he says, God is going to move in power on account of you and of his people. And sure enough, that night, the angel of the Lord came and wiped out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. The victory came. Why? Because one king, one man, laid a letter out on the floor of the temple in faith. A physical act, but it had spiritual power and significance. And the next one is in Nehemiah 8, 1 to 10. And and in this context, there's, there's a response to the word of God It's sort of been recovered and it's being reestablished through Ezra's ministry, the priest. And it brings about repentance and it brings about worship and and celebration. In Nehemiah 9 verse 1, again, there's this this, um, corporate repentance that takes place among the people of God as they put on sackcloth and cover themselves with ashes. But it leads to worship and it leads to blessing. In Daniel 9 verses 1 to 13... He's reading Jeremiah's prophetic word and God speaks to him about what's going to happen and and Daniel's response is to repent for himself and on behalf of the nation and he again puts on sackcloth and ashes and prays. But in doing so, there's something spiritual that happens as a result of his response. In Matthew 5, sorry, Matthew 6, verses 5 to 18, Jesus says, when you pray, and gives instructions on how we should pray, when you fast, and gives instructions on how we should fast. But he's talking about things that we can do physically that will have spiritual power and significance. And then he goes on in Matthew 6, 19, further forward, when you give, essentially. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. This is not an exhaustive list, by the way. These are just some of the things that I've picked out. Jesus says that if you go and visit those who are imprisoned, if you clothe those who, who are naked, if you feed those who are hungry, if you give a drink to those who thirst, if you care for those who are sick that when you do it, and you do it for the least of them, what does he say? You do it for me. Lord, when did I do it for you? When you did those things. In Acts 6, 1 to 4, the church is growing. There's an issue with feeding the the widows, and they appoint the deacons, men who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the seven, or whether they're deacons or not, they come and they function, and they serve tables, and they release the apostles, and the body is blessed, and mission is enabled just by the physical activity of of men serving tables. You think, surely my serving can't really do anything spiritual or supernatural. Oh, it can. Oh, it does. Acts 9, 17 to 19, Paul encounters Christ Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's blinded. He goes to the house on Straight Street. Ananias appears, and he turns up, and he prays, lays his hands on Saul. And it says scales, like scales fall from his eyes and he's able to see. And then when Paul recounts this story later on as he gives his testimony in Acts 22, 12 to 16, you don't read it in the Acts 9 account, but in Acts 22, you hear what Ananias tells Saul. He says, right, now you can see, get up, get baptized, and wash your sins away. Another means of grace. Laying on of hands, prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit, going to see somebody, giving them an instruction, baptism in water, all of them carry spiritual power. 
the, the, the leaders are gathered in, in Antioch in Acts 13, verses 1 to 4, and they set apart after prayer and fasting Paul and Barnabas. And to release them to do the ministry, what do they do before they send them? They lay hands on them and pray for them and commission them. And what happens as a result? How many thousands of people were saved as the gospel was preached between these two faithful men? And even when Paul and Barnabas split and separated and Paul went with Silas and Barnabas went on with John Mark, there was still a preaching of the gospel that began right back there in Antioch in a simple prayer meeting and laying on of hands. Are you seeing what I'm describing here? What I'm trying to hopefully reveal a little bit from the scripture in Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. You know, preaching the gospel, when you share your faith with somebody, you share your testimony with somebody, you're not just telling them a nice story about your life. You're actually telling them the good news. And when we do that with faith and an expectation, the Holy Spirit takes that seed as we speak it and it lands in that person and it goes into their ears and it sinks into their heart and there's a seed all of a sudden that's been planted in their very heart. And you may not see the growth of that and the fruit of that in the time that you know them, but guarantee this, God will produce something in them. It's a means of grace. In Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 and, and around there, Paul talks about marriage. And he says this is a a physical act, a physical union, but actually it reveals a mystery. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 to 16, Paul talks to the church about head covering and uncovering when they gather together and for, for ladies to cover their head when they pray or prophesy and men to uncover their heads when they pray or prophesy. A physical act. And you think, why? It just seems a little bit unnecessary, maybe a little bit picky, but Paul is saying no. When you do this, this is our practice. And guess what? You're doing it because you're recognizing God's created order. You're stepping up in spiritual authority. And the angels are watching. But I'm just putting something on my head. I'm just taking something off my head. God says, you might be doing that. But this is a means of grace. And all of a sudden, a lady covers her head. And she begins to pray with authority. And the whole room, silent. And she stands as a priest, the body of Christ. Her head is covered. And the angels watch. And one turns to another and says, we better get going. We've got work to do. Did you hear Judith's prayer? We've got work to do. She stands, a man is wearing a hat, he takes it off and he prophesies to the church. And the word of God comes with love and gift and power and everybody knows that God has spoken directly to them and we're changed and we say to one another we better get going God has just spoken to us seem like simple things seem like activities sometimes that almost can maybe seem a little bit inconvenient or or we just get used to doing them or, or we take them for granted but I just want to raise our expectation this morning about when we do these things and we attach our faith to them what God will do among us And the last reference there is about breaking bread together. And that's why the tables are out. And for us to understand, this is a significant meal. This is a powerful meal. This is not something to get you through to lunch. It's not. This is not something we do half-heartedly. And, you know, we sort of take it and wait to chew the bread and then 
have a sip and then that's great, we've done that for the, for the week or the month or whatever it might be. No. We come to the table and we approach it with awe and reverence. And we look around at the other people that are coming to that very same table and we say, we've all been bought with the blood of Christ. We're all united together in this. We're all blessed together in this. And then the Holy Spirit starts to move. And as we take the cup of blessing, we're blessed. As we take the bread, we're strengthened and united again in our hearts. It's a means of grace. Could you just put the next slide up, please? There it is. Look at that. I almost have taken up a whole page of notes listing the functions of the Swiss champ XAVT. Toothpick, tweezers, pressurized ballpoint pen, pin, brackets, stainless steel, close brackets, thermometer, digital watch, 12 hours and 24, alarm, countdown, timer, altimeter, meet, meters and feet, or meets, barometer, thermometer, reamer, punch, sewing all, can opener, screwdriver, bottle opener, wire stripper, key ring, universal wrench, Phillips screwdriver, magnifying glass, pliers, wire cutter, wire crimper, fish scaler, hook disgorger, ruler in centimeters and inches, multi-purpose hook, nail file, blade large with wavy edge. <laughs> Reamer punch. I don't even know what that is. Wood saw, scissors, multi-purpose hook. I thought we already had another one. Never mind. Scissors, wood saw, pruning blade, electrician's blade, wire scraper, pharmaceutical spatula. Watch opener, screwdriver, five millimeters, wire stripper, can opener, bottle opener, nail file, nail cleaner, metal saw, metal file, chisel, blade large, blade small. I could go on. In fact, I have. That is nothing compared to what's available to us. The means of grace available to us. And this morning, my prayer is that we just not only see it in more of its breadth and width, but we actually start to pull some of these things out. And there will be some things that you will be familiar with. I think we'll all be pretty comfortable with the ballpoint pen. And it's pressurized. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds good, doesn't it? We might all be comfortable with the scissors. Some of us more comfortable with the nail file than others. That's fine. And then... You might find a, a, a fish descaler, and you might not be so familiar with that, but that's okay. Just start to use it. Find some fish. Start descaling. They won't mind. Well, they will, actually. I want to be truthful. They will mind. But you know what? God wants us to be different to the world. He wants us to know the spiritual blessings available to us. He wants to explore them. He wants us to grow in them. He wants us to take hold of them. And he wants us to start to function with them and use them and not be afraid of them, but know that they're there for our good and they're available to us. We have to be different to the world. Why? Because we are different to the world. Moses simply says, Lord, we are staying here and don't send us anywhere else, please, unless you come with us. Because if you don't come with us, no, we won't look any different to anyone else. We'll just be another group of people doing our best. We need your presence. This is not a social club that I'm talking to this morning. This is not a nice group of people. It's not a charitable group. It's definitely not a religious organization. 
We're not a community center. We're not a special interest group. This is the body of Christ. This is the family of God. And so therefore, these are the things that are available to us. And then prayer isn't just extroverted thinking or saying nice things to feel good and make people around you feel better. But rather, it shifts to heavenly warfare that impacts the heavens and the world around us. That's why we meet to pray. Reading and hearing the word is not merely learning and benefiting from some ancient wisdom. This is living and active, God-breathed. It nourishes our very souls. It teaches us how to live. It, it brings life into our very innermost being. It unlocks revelation of who God is, of who we are. Giving isn't just an act of kindness or charity, but it unlocks heaven's resources to us. And it frees us from greed and, 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 and money, being enslaved to those things. It teaches us the fear of the Lord and it produces incredible fruit. That's why we give. That's why we just did that earlier. Fasting isn't just a display of self-discipline. Fasting causes us to draw on God more, draw on him for his strength and his comfort. And he begins to sharpen us spiritually and unlock spiritual power as we pray and fast. Fellowship isn't just a chance to catch up with friends. Rather, it's when iron comes and sharpens iron. The gifts of the Spirit begin to flow. The diversity of the body is rich and wonderful and beautiful. And it expresses and outworks covenant love. That's what we're going to do together as we break bread. Baptism, we've talked about not just a symbolic act, but power to cut us off, cut the past off from us. Sharing our faith isn't just a duty. It's an overflow of our life. And our love for Jesus and the Holy Spirit blesses it. Marriage isn't just a loving commitment to a best friend creating a safe family unit. The world can do that. But as we invest in our marriage and we have faith in our marriage, we believe we can see something of the mystery of Christ and the church revealed, not just to the heavenly realms, but to those around us as well. People in the world care for the poor, social action and do good. That's a good thing. But when we do it, we reveal God's heart. We honor Christ. God does something with that. He blesses us as a result as well. When we lay on hands on one another, you know, it's nice to be, have a reassuring pat on the back or a touch on the shoulder from somebody who genuinely cares about you. Anyone can do that. But when we lay hands on people, it's so much more. We're imparting Christ himself. And when we eat this Lord's Supper together, we do remember his death. Of course we do. We remember his resurrection but it becomes a powerful expression of our spiritual unity. It's a place where we recognize that we're joined together in Christ and as we approach the table with faith and in the right way, God then does whatever he wants to do to, in us and through us. Can we stand together, please? And would the musicians come back to the stage, please? In everything I've shared today, I don't want any of it in any way to bring any condemnation. There is no condemnation. My heart is that in everything that I've described, and there's so much more, but in all the things that we've looked at together today, that we just, all of a sudden our expectation is raised again. You know, you might not be able to count the number of times that you've broken bread in this sort of setting or any setting. 
But don't let that mean that you come today at all in an overly familiar way, underestimating its significance. But to come today, this is a fresh meal. This is fresh bread. There's fresh blessing. And so we come with fresh faith. Fresh expectation. Just to engage our faith in these activities today. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.